1: Good morning, everybody. It's Thursday, January 19. Thanks for joining us on 1170am in Sydney. A soggy Sydney this morning. Wherever you're tuning in via the SEN app, keep these numbers handy this morning because I think you'll want to have your say. 0457736. 736 on that text line or 1300-01-1170 on the open line. Uh, The forecast for Sydney this morning, well, showers are going to continue throughout the day, a top of 23 degrees, more of that tomorrow, and they may hang around for the weekend as well. So a few wet and soggy days ahead. Now, first up this morning, we are going to get straight into it. Rugby League Players Association boss, Clint Newton. Now, the battle between the players and the NRL, as we know, is continuing. The collective bargaining agreement is still not done. We're 42 days away from the start of the 2023 Premiership. At the moment, the players are taking a stand by refusing to do official NRL media calls. So at the start of the week, they started to say, we're not going to be there for photographs, nrl.com, we're not going to give you anything. Different for other media. Broadcast media is still getting access to players. But this is the first part of them taking a stand and it's against head office they haven't ruled out the possibility of further action so what are the players really fighting for is strike action a possibility let's try and work our way through it this morning clint newton is on the line clint good morning Morning, okay a lot of debate first up what are the sticking points at the moment between yourself and the nrl
2: well, the major sticking points is there's obviously a shortfall in what the players are after from a quantum perspective. It's important to call out right up front that this isn't, it's not a pay war. It's not a pay dispute. Players are standing firm because they're going after the things that really we've never properly invested in. You know, and this is pretty much 100% of what, they're, what the shortfall is, is all going towards past player and transitional support programs i would suggest that's a pretty noble intention from this group of players. So that's, that's one where the shortfall is. Agreement rights on their core terms and conditions. Um, and th- these are largely all about just employment matters. So, for example, agreement rights over um, not lengthening the season and the number of matches that players play without their agreement. These are hours of work. These are obligations that players would have to be asked to carry out. So, therefore, you would suggest that it's their right that they should have agreement over increasing hours of work, um, not increasing fines and sanctions. Again, an agreement right in a workplace. Um, I think that that's pretty reasonable. Agreement rights over illicit drug policy. Um, women, agreement rights over their pregnancy and parental leave policies. Um, they are all key employment terms and conditions. Uh, that, that's really some of the major sticking points that we're trying to get get out there.
1: The increase in terms of the salary cap, I mean, it was put out there by the NRL before Christmas, and it's a big number. And regardless of how close to the actual number it's going to be, it's going to be an increase of quite a bit for the players, especially in year one. And a lot of people will say, well, anything thereafter, Clint, your players are being greedy. How do you respond to that?
2: Again, it it was a clear intention that it was done to try and create some sort of pay dispute and pay war. You know, pushing out that announcement on the 23rd of December without the players' agreement is the, is the same old tired narrative that, uh, that gets pushed around about greedy players. Um, and we've consistently said that the CBA is not about the salary cap, and our claims prove that. Again, it, it wouldn't matter if, if what we say... I've, I've seen this for 20 years. You know, I was there for the first CBA in 2003. I'm there for this one now. It always gets positioned as a, as a paywall. Um, you know, again, but players, that that's just a tactic um, that's used. And we would suggest that just look in the detail. Uh, it's, <laughs> the rhetoric is no substitute for reality. And pushing out that, um, there's a lot of misinformation in that. Again, when you're pushing out salary cap numbers um, of that kind, they were comparing it to COVID-reduced salaries, which is misleading. The top 30 salary cap was meant to be 10 million in 2022, so the jump to 11.45, which was the NRL's announcement, is only 14.5% increase. The NRL's revenues have gone up by 25.2% increase. So what players are asking for is to track in line with the NRL's revenue increases, which I think is pretty fair, you know, particularly given the fact that they're the ones that play and promote the game and they're taking on all the risks. But the devil is always in the detail because inside that 25% uh, increase that is being pushed out, there are a number of costs that weren't included in the last CBA that are now included in this one, such as private health insurance, tertiary education allowances, match fees, uh, that, sit out, that used to sit outside the top 30 for those players. So again, what we're talking about here is there's been a big shift in the player player behaviour for the first time in the history of the game it's 120 years players on mass have stood up stepped forward and they've taken action um and it should should tell you something that the player unity about the player unity and what this means for players and their families and again i think you know players aren't they're not playing games here you know they want to make sure they are heard um and they are respected and that's how they feel and uh, and i'm incredibly proud of the playing group about what we represent. But and look again-
1: I, I don't think I don't think Clint that every that anybody anybody suggests that the players don't have a right to speak up and everybody I think also agrees that this is a complex and detailed situation but I reckon that there's a perception here that you're losing the public battle because the message is very muddled when it's trying to get across. We had Wade Graham on this on this station yesterday and it was difficult for, for him to try and get across exactly what the players are standing for here. So can you summarize to those who are sitting there saying, hang on a second, I don't earn this money. I don't have this luxury of having the battle with my employers to say, this is what I want and I want extra payments and I want to look after my past employees. So how do you summarize that and get that public perception back on board to say that you are in the right fight at the right time.
2: Well, again, I think that you've got to sometimes look beyond the bias, right? Uh, Again, players are, players are always going to be painted that way. But on this occasion, if you look into the detail, the players are foregoing um, a fairly significant amount to put into their salaries to, to pass back to past player programs and support services. Again, This has always been about making sure that we're taking the bottom-up approach. We were looking for increases in minimum wage to make sure that we're protecting our players at the bottom. We're looking at introducing match fees to make sure that if you played the game, you got paid. Um, Just just on that,
1: sorry, just on that, on the match Mm. fees, that's one that jumps out. So if Mm. I'm a player, I'm getting $500,000 a season, why then do I get match payments as well?
2: Because what we're trying to do is we're trying to equal, make it equal for players inside that play. So again, if I'm whether you're on that amount or whether you're on you know uh, at a minimum wage rate, is that it's a fee for service effectively. So what we're saying is that if you take the field and you play the game, then you you get remunerated for that, which is was always, always meant to be a bottom up mentality of thinking, uh, and we were hoping to ensure that we were able to mirror that across the women because again. Fee for service, and we're trying to say that you know if you're a rugby league player, you're a rugby league player at that elite level. So therefore, we were trying to ensure that players were paid equally for that for that rate. So again, what we're saying is that when you when you push out the big number of the 1.3 billion versus the 980 from the last term, as I said, the devil's in the detail because the last CBA um, it was only we only covered about 600 players, In this one we're talking about about a thousand. You know, So when you, when you increase at that rate, of course, the amount that's going to players is going to increase, particularly when you're talking about the game's revenue going up at 25%. So should the players share of that?
1: On a broader sense, we know what happened throughout COVID and we know how perilous the situation of the game was. Um, therefore, I think there's an understanding that the NRL's got to be very careful here about how much it hands over to any party. Whether it, be, whether it be your party or anyone else, where's the level of trust at in the meetings that you're having? Because we've had players say publicly that what's been going on behind closed doors has been um, misinformation that is therefore being delivered outside of the doors. So where's the level of trust in the meetings that you're having with the NRL and the NRL uh, having that level to be able to hand over some of these extra funds to you?
2: Covid was a was an interesting time, right? Because again, yes, the game was um, the game was on its knees. I mean, the the reality was the game didn't have enough funds to ensure they bailed out um, the clubs and the players and and the state um, and had enough money to invest in some of those programs. Players then, um, uh, based on not the fact that they had to, they agreed to take pay cuts. And they took a hundred million dollars worth of pay or ninety-eight million dollars worth of that. That was their choice; they didn't have to. Um, they that money then went straight back into their clubs and was able to ensure, and you know, into the NRL's bank account to be able to make sure that that safeguarded them through that mm. time. What we then saw was the fact that over the last three years, the game has never been in a better financial position from a from a net cash position, never. Than what it is right now, um, and that's and that's pretty good considering the fact that we went through COVID, you know, two or three years ago. So again, what the what the players did during that period, I think, was nothing short of outstanding. But again, that like the players took those pay cuts, um, and just like many other people did, and unfortunately, it was a horrible time for many people. But that was done to help the clubs and hmm. protect the game so where's where's the
1: trust level at now especially given that history
2: well the players the players feel like there is a lack of trust you know and and because there's a number of things that have played out over the last few years but also there's some historical stuff that players are still struggling to get over so but you know trust can be resolved via a great CBA a strong CBA that we can all stand behind and that's why this is really important for players to ensure that We do um, invest in these areas. We do properly support our NRLW players that right now can't sign any contract, don't have that certainty. You know, picking up, you know, ensuring that they all have private health insurance, for example, is something critically important to them. So again, um, a, a good CBA, a strong CBA that we can all be proud of, that trust can be restored and we can all move forward together
1: couple of quick ones to finish on. The action that's currently being taken is directed against the NRL. So you've got players not turning up for headshots, essentially, for an NRL website. That's putting it very generally. What impact, first of all, do you think that's having? And then I want to ask you about how far it goes down the line. But the impact that you're having at the moment in terms of taking action against NRL media, NRL.com, for instance.
2: You know, again, the, the players didn't want to disrupt you know, all the other parts of the media and they didn't want to disrupt, you know, um, you know, doing things for their clubs. So again, the, the issue is, you know, the way that the players feel at the moment is directed really at the NRL. Um, the players don't feel like the NRL are listening. Um, and we've repeatedly said that players care more about, care, care way more about many other things than just the salary cap input. And so therefore, you would think that the NRL would have listened to that. The players don't feel comfortable participating in various media activities because we, that are run by the NRL because they've told us they don't feel like the NRL is respecting the importance of the CBA and what it means to them.
1: Is strike again, action, Clint? Is strike action a consideration?
2: Well, as, as the players have said, you know, all things are on the table at the moment. But again, Matt, this this can be re- repaired. Uh, again. Players Playing, playing games is, is for the fans to watch. This isn't a game for players. These are real people with uncertain futures, and the players, they're no longer voiceless, um, and they won't be. And I'm certainly not going to um, tell players to get in their box and put a muzzle on, them, particularly given the fact that this is something that they really deeply care about. Like I said up front, Matt, um, this, is, this is not a paywall. Uh, I know, I know that's going to grab the headlines and everyone likes that because um, you know it's all centred around demonising players and thinking that you're greedy. But I would suggest a very noble intention that these players are going after is the fact that the shortfall that they're picking up. They want to invest in past player programs and support services like a medical, like the introduction of past player medical support fund, the introduction of a general hardship fund. So we're talking about there, Matt. Past players that were not ever even captured in a CBA. The introduction, increasing in investment and support. That medical support fund is for players that suffer injury whilst they're playing mm. because players don't have, they're not entitled to the workers' compensation legislation. So, therefore, if you suffer an injury while working, you know, most people have that coverage. So, what we're trying to do is establish a fund to ensure that if you suffer an injury whilst you play, and it doesn't grab you in the first 12 months when you leave your NRL club because that's the only time players can get surgeries covered for and compensated for. But if five years down the line you need a knee surgery, shoulder surgery, rehabilitation, yeah. that money goes towards those things. Again, I would suggest that's a pretty noble intention from this group of players.
1: And again, that's you know very detailed information that's going to continue in these negotiations. So back to the fans back to not wanting to impact the fans and back to what you just said to me there that everything's on the table could you rule out or you cannot rule out that there's any further action possible
2: well i can't you can't rule out anything because this the future's uncertain again this is about ensuring that we we get the best possible deal for, for the men and men and women so again we've got there's a, still a number of weeks to go before the start of the season What we want to do is ensure that we get back to the table, we work through it, we try and resolve these matters. Again, there's enough there for everyone. There is enough there for everyone. And that's, that's what we're saying. Again, respect the players by ensuring that they receive these funds to invest in those areas. Agreement rights over core terms of employment and conditions, which I think is very fair and reasonable. And ensuring that we have Uh, You know, the best CBA, the first CBA, for NRLW players, because, because right now, they're in a total land of uncertainty, and we need to ensure that we come back to the table, we work through it, and we give everyone the certainty they all deserve, and we get on with playing rugby league. Now, over the next few weeks, Matt, more things may happen, but really, that's going to be down to how the NRL want to take things. You know, um, are they going to come back to the table and work through it? Are they going to respect players and give them a CBA that we can all be proud of? Um, We certainly hope so.
1: Clint, thanks for your time this morning. No worries, Matt. Let me know your thoughts on that 0457 736 736 or give us a call on the open line, 1300 01 1170. Plenty of your thoughts already coming through. We'll get to those as soon as we can and also... Plenty of ground covered there. So everything's still on the table. There's no negotiation breakthrough in all of this. And they're trying to put it out there. I think part of the biggest problem, as I said to Clint there, is that the public perception here is that they don't really know what the players are fighting for. It is detailed and complex, but you have to narrow it down. And I can tell you that already texts are coming through about greedy players Now, they're at pains to point out that whilst there is money on the table here and big money on the table here, that they're talking about putting it into past player funds and health and welfare programs. And you heard the details that Clint spoke about. We can discuss this at length this morning. So let me know your opinions and your thoughts off the back of that interview. But I appreciate the time of the RLPA boss. Uh, A lot to get through today. Day four of the Australian Open getting underway in an hour and a half's time. So I'll run you through all the details from overnight. Of course, Rafael Nadal is now out of the tournament. So heartbreaking to see the scenes down there at Melbourne Park as Rafa bowed out with the hip injury. It was frustrating to watch, and it's not the right way that we want to see a champion like Rafa go. Is that the last time that we've seen him? You'd have to think so, especially here in Australia. Cricket, both BBL and women's ODI series news to get through. And we'll also be joined a little bit later on by Chase Buford, the coach of the Sydney Kings, who are now on a hot streak. Six six, uh, straight wins for the Kings, and they've got a big weekend coming up over to Perth, then back to Sydney. So there you go. We've got a busy day ahead of us. Come and join us right here on The Morning Show. A couple of your text messages before we get to the first news break with Vanessa and then I'll dig a little bit deeper and you can give me a call, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. 1170 Steve the Collighton Bulldog says, "Maddie, I missed the start of the interview with the RLPA, so can you put it on the site somewhere so I can catch the full interview and see if Clint is clear or just talking in circles? Well, um, if you go to the SEN app, you will be able to track it down there and we will put it up on our podcast as well. So just uh, search for mornings with Matt White, wherever you get your podcast, and that'll be there within a matter of minutes. So the full interview there with Clint Newton, it's great says John that Clint was saying that every player has private health insurance. My son did his knee last year. It cost us a heap. Obviously the NRL players can afford it, but the people playing park footy can't. Thank you for that, John plenty of thoughts coming through. So we'll put a bit of time aside for that after the news, And give me your full-blown opinion on that. And what I really want to know is, do you now know what the players are standing for? And if, like we've been saying for the last couple of days, if it got to the point where they had to take drastic action, and believe me, saying that you're not going to be there for headshots for the NRL website, that ain't drastic action. It's not going to cause a bump in the road. But if they do get to the point where they've got to take drastic action, therefore, you need to know why. And part of the reason for doing that interview is to try and explain or get the Rugby League Players Association to explain to us in clear and concise terms what they're standing for. Do you think that that's the case now? Is it still muddled information on your behalf? Do you think that the players are doing the wrong thing here? Are, are they behind the eight ball when it comes to these negotiations? I think they are. I don't think there's any question about that. And it appears to be a long way off. And one of the key considerations in all of this, one of the key concerns has got to be the lack of trust between the two parties. When there's two parties sitting at a table, there's always going to be heads that are butting. No problems about that. That's how negotiations work in business. And this is a a business decision. But when there's a lack of trust, you may as well be in a different room altogether. So at the end of the day, the public are going to have to decide whose side they're on here. Are you on the players' side in this? And if they do need to take it further down the road in terms of action, are you now fully aware of what they're standing for and how far they should go, in your opinion? Let me know your thoughts. 0457 736 736. News break, then time for your texts and calls. Thank you, Vanessa. I'll run you through the updates uh, from the Australian Open from overnight in a little bit more detail in just a sec. But as far as the schedule goes for today, starting at 11 o'clock, so round two continues today. We've tidied up the postponed matches from round one. And round two, day four of the Open, gets underway, of course, at 11 o'clock. Arena Sabalenka will be first up on centre court. She's got Shelby Rogers. So, that is the number fifth seed against uh, the American in Rogers. Jensen Brooksby and Caspar Rood next. So Kasper Ruud is the second seed on the men's side of the draw, and Layla Fernandez against Caroline Garcia later on this afternoon. The night session features Novak Djokovic. So he will be first up seven o'clock tonight against uh, an unknown Frenchman, Enzo Kukar, and Ons Jabur, the second seed in the women's side against Marketa Vondrusova from. Uh, The Czech Republic. Aussies in action on day four. Thanasi Kokonakis, Alexi Popper and Kim Birrell back in action. And the Demon as well, Alex Demonor. So we'll keep you updated with all the scores. Thanks to Bing Lee from the Australian Open day four. And we'll catch up with Brett Phillips as well. Let's go to the open line. You want to have your say on the back or off the back of my chat with Clint Newton, where the Rugby League Players Association are currently at in this fight against the NRL, for their collective bargaining agreement, 42 days away from the start of the competition. Let's start with you, Simon, from Belmore, who's on the line. Good morning.
3: Good mate. How are you, buddy? Good?
1: Great, thank you. What do you
3: think? Listen, listen, I've been a Dragon supporter since 1975. Back in the 80s, we never had that kind of problem. Everyone used to enjoy watching the game of football. It wasn't about money much. It was about supporters. The game was for the people back in the 80s and all that, before the 80s as well. Now it's all about money. The more money they have, the more greed they get. Okay? That's not right for the supporters of the game. I mean, Glenn and always thinks for the players. He doesn't think about the supporters. He, he pretends he thinks about the supporters, but he really doesn't. He thinks about the players getting more money in their pocket and doesn't care about the supporters. Okay, That's not right. The NRL, the NRL should be more tougher about the whole thing I should make players play the game for the people. Okay, this is what I've got to say. But Clint is not doing a great job. He shouldn't be there. He people should be thinking about supporters more often than the players getting more money in their pocket every time. Back in the eighties, never used to get a million dollar player or two million dollar player. A different time a then, Simon. The D-
1: different time. Very, very different time. I, I, hear, I different hear what time, you're saying, right? but I let's know. let's let's call it for what it is. Back in the 80s, the money that was in the game right now certainly wasn't there. So, you know, we can't say that just because you were back in the 80s and you are playing for less money that uh, it's you're playing for different reasons this time around because there's more money in the pot. I mean, let's just separate those two. It's big business. There's big money on the table here, and they're trying to get their piece of the pie from it. Whether you think it's right or wrong, that's the fact. Go ahead. Keep going, Simon.
3: No, no, that's, I mean, I mean, it's not right, you know, what's going on. There's always something going on about, uh, I mean, players and NRL, you know, more money or this one or this one. Come on, let's get, get, let's get the game set up on the road and let's and uh, go let's the supporting game. Mm. Say so, around uh, every year about it all the time, you know, what's going on and all that. There's always something going on in the, in the rugby league game, you know what I mean?
1: Good on you, Simon. Thank you for your thoughts this morning. I mean, a CBA deal is always going to be a tough one. So this is the current issue in front of the game. It doesn't mean that the game's in complete disarray at all. Think of how big the NRL was last season, how spectacular it was last season. All this was bubbling around then. So this isn't going to derail how good the game is. And it certainly doesn't point towards the fact that the players are playing it for a different reason. I don't buy into that whatsoever. Players play rugby league because they love it. It just so happens to come with a very big price tag at the moment because the game generates a lot of money. And those are the facts. Not as much as what used to be there, and you could say that about a whole range of sports. So I don't think the game's falling apart, but it is at a critical juncture where this is players, those who provide the content that is the game, against headquarters, those that run the game. And they're going to have to sort it out quickly. James from Hornsby, always good to talk to you. James, go for it. Yeah, Matty.
0: Yeah, all right, okay. I've got a bit, probably a foot on either side of the fence. Yep. With the Women's League, don't the NRL say, oh, we want to promote the Women's League, we want them to improve, we want to expand it, we all this... So why are they holding back and doing any of that? Because they've said that they wanted to do that. Mm. So why are the players saying, hey, you're not doing it? Well, they said they're going to do it. They should go and do it. Now, on the other side of the fence is, if I retire from my place, five years down the track, I can say, oh, you know, I've got a bad back because I've been sitting driving buses all my life or whatever the last 10 years, and I need surgery. You think my company, my employer, is going to turn around and say, okay, we'll pay for that? Mm. No, those players now know before they go in they've got a chance that in the future they're going to get arthritis. They're going to get sore shoulders, knees and hips. They're going to need that surgery. So why not now take 1% of their pay and say, okay, we'll go to our players' union, whatever. We'll put 1% of our pay in there and then if any registered player in years to come needs surgery, we're going to have a heap of millions in that kitty there to help them out with their surgery. Why should the employer pay for someone's injury five years down the track? How do you know that player? Oh, yeah, I've got a bad hip now. But hang on, three years after they retired, they could have been water skiing or go snow skiing and fallen over a few times and damaged it then. They go, oh, hang on, I can claim it as a footy injury. Mm. Mm. No, they should look after themselves. They can't have it both ways.
1: So part of this deal, from from what I understand, and and this is where the complexity comes in, James, part of this... With the increase money that is coming their way, they are saying the players I'm talking about are saying, "Let's put this into programs like wealth, uh, like health and welfare." I shouldn't say wealth, but you understand what I mean, health and welfare for past players and all of this. So let's use part of the increase of the kitty that is on the table, not to go straight back into the pockets. That's coming from elsewhere. Let's not let's let's put that there. They are getting increased money. Uh, They're also saying, let's use some of this increase to fund those programs further down the track that you're talking about. And you're right. It's it's a very different scenario to the day-to-day worker, but this is a unique position. And this is something that I think the Players Association themselves have to really make clear, that their players understand that they're in a unique position. These players understand that they get very well paid for what they do, but they also understand but it's a very different job to the jobs that you and I have day to day and our contracts with our employers. So it's not a a straight up and down case. It's a very complex case. And I think that in terms of getting that argument across to the public, to you and to other callers and all the texters that are coming through, they've muddled a lot of it because they're trying to get deep down into the detail but the bottom line is there's a big bunch of money sitting there and they're trying to get as much as they can out of it and the NRL don't want to hand over too much and they certainly don't want to hand it over to anyone without knowing exactly how it's going to be spent. That's that's where the line in the sand has been drawn. On you, James. Let's move across to Sharky. Go for it, Sharky.
4: Hello, Matty? Good to be you back on the airways, mate. Thank hey, you. Enjoy your holiday. Um, I'm going to... The first two callers here, I think they lost the point and haven't been involved with the football club and stuff like I've had. Um, first caller, Clint Newton is not there to look after the supporters. If your supporters want to be supported, start your own union. Simple. Right? Number two, you were right when you said a lot of these players play footy for one reason. They love it. They're, they're, that is put out in bush footy. A lot of the players who play bush footy first grade and uh, ex-first graders or people who have played Ball, Matthews, you know what I mean? Mm. Been through that system. They play for the lovely game. Josh Darling down here, Chalaba this year, he's probably getting 20 grand a year. Not much. Still putting his body through hell. Tony with Adam Quinlan at my club, Mitchell Lawgood at Berry and others. You know what I mean? Yep. They play for the love of the game. And the only problem I've got with it, I can't get my head around it, This match payment thing. Mm. I can understand it. That's fine. It needs to be put a stipulation in where you're on a threshold. Once you're on such amount of money, you don't get match payments. You get a rich contract to do two things. Train your guts off in the summer and play your card out in the winter. That's what you pay for, and met with your club. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, t-
1: I totally get that. I, I think also that's – and that, that's something that I pose to Clint. Like, ex- explain to me the match payments. I, I don't get it. If there's a player who signs a deal for, let's call it, a half a million dollars a year to represent that club in the NRL for that year, and there's obviously a whole stack of stipulations around it, then that's the fee that you're going to get paid for your services. Now, if there are – other, I mean, they get paid to play State of Origin, for instance. There's further match, not from the club, but there's further match payments. There's bonuses as well. So they're all there. So if you're doing something over and above what you've agreed to do, you don't do that for the love of the game when you're a professional. You do that for um, remuneration. So you need to make sure that that's part, of the, that's part of the deal. So I get that part of it. But if it's a everyday match payment when you've already signed the deal – I tell you what I'd be doing if I was in charge. I'd say, okay, I'm going to give you five hundred thousand dollars a year. You play your games, right? You're going to play the season. That's what we're paying you this year to be a full time player. And then if you say to me, okay, but I want match payments, I'll give you, I'll give you two hundred and fifty thousand a year, and then you get your match payments, right? That's sort of where it, that's where it works in my head. But hey, I'm not in the middle of these. Thank you, Sharky. I appreciate your call. I knew that you'd be um, getting all fired up. Not you, but I knew that our listeners would be across this because it seems to be at the heart of so many of the fans leading up to the start of the season. I mean, a lot of you out there want to know what the players are up to and and can't understand why when there's a big chunk of money on the table and this is part of the problem. The NRL put that out there on a couple of days before Christmas and, as you know, the Rugby League Players Association were not happy because they hadn't done anything to tick it off. But that's a big amount of money that's on the table It's hard for us to wrap our head around why you're in there asking for more. Well, that's part of it. That's only part of it. What they're asking for is more um, outside of all of that. So more commitment around health and more commitment around welfare and more commitment around the women's game. The women's game is a huge thing here. No doubt about it. There's no deal at all for NRLW. How on earth do you plan to be a player? In the NRLW, when there's absolutely nothing in front of you to tell you how it's going to play out for you financially, how you're going to schedule your season, how you're going to work, how you're going to manage family, the whole lot. There's nothing in front of them at the moment, as in there's nothing signed off on. So you want to grow that side of the game. You want to get that done pretty quickly. It's all part of a very, very big Pie. A messy pie at the moment. Bit of a deconstructed pie at the moment. They're trying to piece it all back together. We need to take a break. Back after this. Uh, a few more texts before we head towards the top of the hour. Brett Phillips will join us from Melbourne Park. I'll also cover what's been happening in the world of cricket. As I mentioned, BBL uh, last night, the Perth Scorchers defeated the Hobart Hurricanes by seven wickets. So that'll take the Scorchers back up to the top of the table. Tonight, it's the Sydney Thunder against the Melbourne Renegades at Manuka Oval in Canberra. So hopefully this wet weather that's around us in Sydney won't be bothering them. And what about Phoebe Litchfield? So yet again, the Australians in the one day international women's series have uh, completely gone through Pakistan. So they've won the series with one game to come, uh, one match to come this weekend at North Sydney Oval. And Phoebe Litchfield, who made her debut in game one, has now gone uh, back to back 50s to start her one day international career. She's yet to get an average (laughs) she's yet to get out. So into the 70s in her first dig and into the 60s in her second dig, an absolute out and out star. Uh, Dunny says it's humorous to compare yourself to a professional athlete. Ridiculous. They get paid very well, but get smashed and suffer consequences later in life. Um, The boomers need to shut up. Thank you, Dunny. We always say the gift that keeps on giving is rugby league with a smirk on our face. And believe us here at SEN when we, you know, we go to call footy matches on the weekend and Spud limps his way in and <laughs> they're all battered and bruised. I mean, absolutely. We know how tough it is. Steve, uh, nice to hear from you, Steve, in Waraknabeel, a solid listener of this program. If 3% of all horse race prize money goes into funds for jockey health and equine welfare, why can't 3% of all contracts form a similar fund for NRL? Um, look, it's a good point, and I don't know the detail in that as to how much they're asking for to be put into um, these funds that they're talking about. I'm not sure of the percentage and perhaps I should have asked Clint that, but we're talking about past players programs, injury hardship funds, medical support funds. And so if there's a percentage attached to it happens in horse racing, as you say, for health and equine, a jockey health and equine welfare, then why couldn't they do something similar? It sounds to me as though there is something similar, but not, the percentage number attached to it as yet. Match payments. Morning, Matt. Does that exist with other professional footy codes, be it in Australia or overseas, like the UPL, Serie A, NFL, in the USA? Um, what do they do in Premier League soccer? So the pre- Mark?
5: in the Premier League, you can have uh, you'll have appearance fees built into the contracts with the clubs. Yeah. So when you sign your contract, they'll also have an appearance fee.
1: Appearance fee for what? Appearing for to play a, a game? In game. If
5: you are playing the game, you'll get a fee. Come on. Um, that's my,
1: not an appearance fee.
5: That's what they call it. That's what they call it. Sorry. <laughs> an they,
1: appearance fee is we've got 100 sponsors. Can you come down and talk to them, please?
5: That's just what they call it. On. I don't know. A match day fee. If, if Mate, you play it's the double game, dipping. If you play the game, it's it's not as much, obviously, as their, their weekly contract, but it's a thing. They also, however, with the international setup, it's different. So if you play for, if, if Harry Kane, for example, plays for England, they get a set fee from the English FA. Yes. Yes. However, big clubs, big teams like England, they're all multi millionaires. Mm. They actually donate all their match fees to charity because yep. it's not that much for them. Smaller nations, I think, all have that as well, but they'll just they'll take the money depending on
1: how much it is. Okay, well, there's an answer on the on the football side of things, the soccer slash football side of things. Uh, boy, we're moving fast this morning. We need to take a break 0457 736 736 your texts and calls we've still got another good couple of hours to get through so plenty of time to keep this discussion going whose side are you on at the moment now that you're getting more and more detail around what the players are standing for and where they sit in this negotiation situation are are you on their side i mean the general gist is that players are greedy they get too much money anyway why ask for more do they have the right to continue to push for what they're after here? Let me know your thoughts. And trying to continue to motor through these text messages that you're bombarding me with this morning, it's great. 0457 736, 736. Too much is never enough, believe me. So if you've got a thought, jot it down and send it on through, or better still, pick up the phone, and give me a call. Uh, this one priority should be putting extra money into grassroots and country areas. League will go the same way as Union. Um, and wither at the vine with juniors and supporters. Players need to realise the game needs to build the foundations or the NRL will collapse. Does that sit in the, in the players' hands? The, the grassroots, country areas, bush, does that sit in their hands? Does it sit more in the establishment's hands? I, I would think it needs to go that way. So I agree if there's extra funds to be thrown out there, it could certainly look that way. Time for the news. Good morning to you. It is Thursday morning and our first week back has been extraordinarily busy in the world of sport. Welcome to our listeners on SENQ 693am in Brisbane and 1620am on the Gold Coast. Joining us for the first time this morning and welcome back to you listening on 1170am in Sydney and around the world. In fact, on our SEN app, so 0457 736 736 is the text line one one 1170 is my open line. Brett Phillips joining me soon as day four gets underway now at the Australian Open, which is now also minus Rafael Nadal. He's gone, and my first question to BP is, is he gone for good? Gee, it'd be a a damn shame, wouldn't it? I mean, it's so bad to lose the defending champion in the way that he goes out. His wife was in tears in the stands, but uh, to lose somebody of that calibre possibly... Um, may be the last time that we've ever seen him in Australia. He's clearly at the back end of his career, and he is an out-and-out out ornament of the game. No question about it. And if that's the last time that we see him, then we um, will be poorer for it in sporting terms. NRL, the, the RLPA. Now, this has been the major talking point throughout the week, and it was generated, let's not forget, by the players and the RLPA themselves. They decided at the start of this week to take action – and try and kick this CBA negotiation further down the road and get things back on track with headquarters. So the action at the moment is we're not doing NRL official media. We'll still do broadcast media, but at the moment, if the NRL asks us to do anything, we're not doing it. Headshots for uh, photos for websites and the like. So that's where it's at at the moment. For those of you just joining me, this morning, I've done an interview with Clint Newton this morning, as we know, the CEO of the RLPA. You can catch that full interview on our podcast service or just go into the SEN app and you can backtrack and find the whole interview. We covered a whole range of ground. But here's what Clint Newton said about the possibility of any further action.
2: Well, as, as the players have said, you know, all things are on the table at the moment. But again, Matt, this, this can be re- repaired. Uh again, players, playing playing games is, is for the fans to watch. This isn't a game for players. These are real people with uncertain futures, and the players, they're no longer voiceless, um, and they won't be. And I'm certainly not going to um, tell players to get in their box and put a muzzle on, particularly given the fact that this is something that they really deeply care about.
1: So that's where they're at, and there may be further action still to come. We'll talk about that over the course of the next couple of hours and continue to have your say. Let's do an Australian Open update thanks to Kia. The all-electric Kia EV6 GT supercar is landing soon. So day four ahead of us. Round two continues. Good morning to you, Brett Phillips. Um, Have full coverage on uh, our SEN app, AO Radio. So um, Rafa's gone. Is he gone for good,
6: BP? Well, it's the question uh, (laughs) we always ask when uh, Rafa does. An injury of sorts, uh, Matt, and look, we just don't know uh, totally. He's not ruling uh, anything out. He uh, will go home and do what he normally does. He's been through this a lot in his uh, career, getting these sort of injuries and having layoffs from the tour. I suppose we uh, speculate a little further because he's a year older. Has his uh, life perspective changed a little bit now, having a family? It's a uh, a bit to contemplate, no doubt, but I think there's still a lot driving him to just keep uh, coming back and being as fit as he possibly can and contend for trophies until you know the body just totally uh, totally falls apart from um, uh, a competitive point of view. So uh, yeah, we just we just we just don't know. It was sad uh, yesterday, no doubt. It was something that flared up. Yeah, you know, hadn't troubled him previously. Uh, obviously, had the, the foot issues, had the abdominal issues, and then the hip uh, gave way. And yeah, it was a disappointing way to exit, no doubt.
1: Yeah, absolutely. If if it is the last time that we see Rafa here, I mean, numbers will more than likely catch up to him in terms of Majors 1. He's at the top of the tree at the moment, but you'd have to think that Novak will eventually overhaul and overtake him on that. Could you put into into some sort of summary the kind of career that you've witnessed firsthand of Rafael Nadal in a career that has mirrored those around him of, of great players? I mean, he came through an era where we saw some of the finest players of a generation. So how on earth do we summarise Rafael Nadal?
6: Well, just, just the, the ultimate competitor. And, yes, he uh, uh, wasn't maybe as easy on the eye, not quite the artist that Roger was, uh, but just a beast uh, out, on, out on the tennis court. I mean, if I think back to just his physical development when he was... Uh, 18 when he was getting those um, you know sleeveless shirts uh, the long uh, the long almost board shorts uh, back in the day, uh, Matt and you know from there and this is what this is what Alcaraz is sort of replicating as an 18 year old he just stepped right into the tour and performed from such a, a young age. Yeah, you know, I think of uh, when I close my eyes I just think of that heavy topspin forehand uh, and I think the part that's maybe been underappreciated is how good a volleyer Medal is. Yes, he's the game traditionally that's been from the back of the court, uh, but when he does uh, get in and, you know, his game style has evolved all the time. That's what the champions are going to do, don't they? They're going to say, okay, how do I keep a step ahead? How do I add little uh, parts to my game? Uh, how do I, when I get older, start to shorten points a little bit in terms of my point construction? So I think he's been a great thinker out on the court. Uh, all these uh, little um, idiosyncrasies are, uh, well, I've got to say, at times uh, when you're calling him on radio. A little frustrating just wanting to get on with it. Uh, but just the ultimate competitor, never say die, uh, uh, and plays every point like it's his last. Yeah. Not everyone's built like that.
5: Yeah, and,
1: and physically too, not everyone's built like that. I mean, those that see him firsthand for the first time, and, and I'm sure you've caught this, are blown away actually how big he is. I mean, he, just, he never really looks that big. He's always looked solid and strong. But he's quite a unit, and he just keeps coming at you. So to be on the other side of that relentless um, process of Rafa coming at you with the skill and the and the commitment that he's got might have been just must have been so daunting, and obviously part of the reason why he's so damn good. Daniil Medvedev <laughs> gets past uh, John yep. Millman in straight sets. Um, he's looking the goods at the moment, Medvedev. He, he, he's looking. He's looking as though he's he's ready to rumble again and go deep, which he did last year.
4: Yeah,
6: and we saw the footage of him, you know, as he was preparing, coming out of the locker room, warming up with Jill Sabari's coach. He had the... Uh, he just had the game face on, and then he runs into John Millman in the first set, who's making it work overtime to earn everything, and Daniil, uh, he was he was, harping he was and puffing a bit. He was, he was sweating it up. He was thinking, OK, I'm in for uh, a real fight here. But once he actually won that first set, it just felt like he was going to get the upper hand, and yeah, he powered away beautifully, so... Yeah, look, he's no doubt a contender. I think there's a bit driving him. Not a great Grand Slam year. He's dropped a few pegs in that top 10, and he wants to claim his spot uh, right up the top. And it's a small little team, as we know. He's become a father as well, and mm. his life's a little bit different. But, yeah, he uh, he just he's a ruthless competitor. Once he gets on top, he just sort of grinds you into the dirt.
1: It's going to be a grind this evening on Margaret Court Arena. Andy Murray against Thanasi Kokonakis, who had to clean up his Round 1 match yesterday. Um, Finassi, and then he comes back against, well, talk about somebody who won't go away. We know that Andy Murray will not go away from the fight.
6: So what I'm keen to see tonight from Thanasi is just his point construction. And we know he can serve big, so he can get some free points off that serve. We know he can unleash from the back and it won't be coming back. But Andy Murray just uses all the parts of the tennis court so well. Different shots, slicing, uh, you know, bringing an opponent forward. Andy's got lots to his repertoire there. And he'll be patient too. So can Thanasi just stick with him? I just feel like Thanasi at times, if he's going to go from 50 to 100, to 0 to 50, it's just that little bit of extra patience not to play that money shot and go up the line. Just keep the cross-court battle going if necessary. Look at Melbourne and Medvedev last night. It was like a a training drill at times. Just cross-court, 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 (laughs) cross-court. Keep the patience. And Fanassi sometimes will lose that because he wants to finish off the point. And Andy Murray will just, uh, just go and, and massage when he needs to, crank it up when he needs to. He plays such a smart game. So, look, it is the game of the day. A lot of anticipation. Fanassi's fresh. He's raring to go. And uh, what's left in Andy? Uh, we hope there's a bit. It's just, it's just mouthwatering how these two will come together tonight, and for Nancy's a big, big chance, no doubt.
1: Alexi Poprin has Taylor Fritz. We spoke about him and, and the danger that he poses the other day. Alex Demonor in action as well. Can the Kim Birrell story continue? She's into round two.
6: Well, this girl, she's playing. Let's just mark her down. I mean, the people who really follow the sport will know that Linda, foot of and young Brenda, the sister at 15, Linda 17, these two are just going to be superstars of the sport. Uh, what they're doing is quite extraordinary, and you know, she cleaned up uh, Jamie Foulis uh, very easily in the first round. I just hope Kim brings the self-belief, uh, Matt, and, and seizes the moment. When it's time to go, just take this girl on and, and don't be just sort of rallying and, and not thinking about, you know, what you've got to do to actually uh, sign off points. Uh, you know, thinking, OK, I'm going to allow my opponent to just maybe make the error. No, be, be assertive and take the game on because she can strike the ball extremely well, Kim. So, not without a chance. So, when you're playing a 17 year old, a very good 17 year old, mind you, but this is Kim's moment to, uh, to, to step up in the crowd it'll be right in a corner, Kia Arena. There's something about that court. It's only so new here at Melbourne Park, it's already creating a, mm. you know, a feeling of the old sort of show court. three.
1: Ons Jabor's in action again uh, as well. So the number two seat on the women's side. Just before you go, a final one on Novak's opponent today. I've just seen vision of Novak arriving there this morning and uh, going through underneath to complete his duties this morning. So his opponent today is a, is a French qualifier. Enzo, is it Koukoukoukoukoukoukoukoukoukoukoukoukoukoukoukoukoukoukoukoukoukoukoukoukoukoukoukoukoukoukoukoukoukoukoukoukoukoukoukoukoukouk
6: uh, a quack, uh, quackal. There you quack go. is how you say it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He uh, he was actually coached by uh, an Aussie, Rowan Williams, for a, a period. Alan's uh, Rowan's worked with Alexi Bobbin and Melbourne and a few others. So he's predominantly played on the Challenger tour, um, that, that next level down. So he has not had a lot of exposure at uh, Grand Slam uh, level. So it's one that Novak, you know, should tick. I think pretty comfortably uh, tonight. But once again, we'll just be on. Hemmy watch, but, you know, I think you'll uh, have, have too much class. Uh, while that's going on, we've got, yeah, Demon uh, Demonor into Coconacus and Popperin and still playing. So it's a, it's a good menu. Later on tonight, we'll have it all on the radio, of course.
1: Good man. You'll be busy again. Thanks, BP. Enjoy the day. Thank you, Matt. Brett Phillips there. So day four continues. Thanks to Kia. A pinnacle of engineering. The Kia EV6 GT is the most powerful Kia ever crafted. It's it's a good way to do it isn't it what I what Brett just said there about Rafael Nadal you, you close your eyes and you think and what's the first image that comes to mind I mean when you think about Roger for instance it's it's just that that grace I mean that elegance and when I close my eyes and think of Rafa I just think of this this bull that is not stopping is just relentlessly coming at you um that's the first thing that, that that came to mind for me, this relentless competitor that doesn't take a back step. It's not a bad way to do it. And it's unfortunate. Like I said, I think I, I get the feeling that perhaps we've seen Rafael Nadal for the last time as a competitor here in Australia. hope not. Um, but what will he be, 37 next year or 37 in June this year? So, you know, by the time next year swings around, he'll be, Edging towards 38. They can go deep, these guys, but with that kind of stress that he's been putting on his body over the amount of years, gee, to be some sort of fight to keep him going. On the flip side of that, we'll see Andy Murray in action today, who by all rights shouldn't be there week in and week out. Talk about somebody who's completely busted up and rebuilt. But Rafael Nadal, 22-time major champion, defending champion now out of the draw, and Novak Djokovic, a clear favourite um, to continue along his way what was it Qkwa quaco I, I sort of missed the pronunciation. Enzo that's who he's playing tonight a Frenchman Enzo that's the first uh, match on night uh, on Rod Laver arena so the first up night session and ons Jaboa will be second up after that 0457 736, 736. Matt on the text line says Maddie I was like a lot of your callers I was jealous of rugby league players earnings I also thought that they were greedy Then I saw the Mario Fennec story and the Turvey Mortimer story and go on and go on. And my mind was changed. They deserve every cent they can get, says Matt. Thank you for that. Um, PJ says, I work in the insurance industry and have spent a considerable amount of time in workers' comp and on the original NRL career-ending injury policy. Okay. What the players are asking for has the potential to send the game broke. You need billions to run such a scheme. In brackets, the New South Wales scheme is currently underfunded and, says PJ, open to rorting by the clubs or players, um, which has already happened under the current career-ending injury policy. Thank you for that, PJ. You're more across that side of it uh, than I am, but you're saying that they need billions of dollars to run that scheme and run it properly. Thank you. Jay from Blacktown says, I'm getting to the point where I don't think either party's really trying hard enough to solve the issue. The players wanted to go public with their grievances, yet they're not only yet they're only prepared to talk in generalisations. And the NRL, it seems, are just keeping quiet, and are not being pressured by commentators like yourself and your peers to end this soap opera. Six weeks out, and the possibility in inverted commas of strike action just sorted out. Thank you, Jay from Blacktown. Uh, well, I mean, they're going to they're going to continue to meet. They're going to continue to sit down at the table, but. Like I pointed out earlier, that if there's no trust there, how on earth do you start getting into the nitty-gritty, the minutiae of the detail? If you're, if you're sitting there saying, well, we're not, we're not getting any detail done because we don't trust what you're saying to us and what you're then translating out there in the public, in the public arena. It's very, very interesting where this situation is at. And I've said time and time again, there's no pressure from me to get this sorted. It's got nothing to do with me, and I am a commentator. I'm like you. I'm, I'm from the outside looking in. I'm trying to wrap my head around how this ends. We're not in the negotiations. We're not in the nitty-gritty of the detail here. But once the players decided to take this public, once they decided to start to take action, albeit minor, and right down on the scale, then it became a public issue. It became an issue that starts to play out in front of you and I, the fans and supporters and subscribers to the game, the investors in the game. So that's why it's now a public debate. And, gee, it's fascinating to see your side of the story, all sides of the story. 20 minutes after 10 o'clock for our Sydney listeners, 20 after 9 for our Queensland listeners. Welcome along to the program, 0457 736 736. Hit me up on text to 1300 01 1170 is our open line. Uh, so as we know, Thanasi Kokonakis back in action today after completing the rain-delayed round one match uh, yesterday, uh, yesterday evening, in fact, and it turned out to be. And so he's got Andy Murray ahead of him uh, today for round two. Did you did you hear this last night? So <laughs> he goes into the press room. I mean, it's it's very stock standard fare for these players. They do their interview on court. If they win, they do their interview on court. Then they go into the press room, they face the media, and we've all seen what happens. Seriously, I, I don't think I've seen such a wide array of stupid questions as these tennis players get. I, I don't know why it is, but every time it's like the first time that they've ever sat down in a tennis tournament, it's it's kind of like we have to ask you what color you paint your toenails at night. I mean it's just I don't understand it all, but that's the kind of stuff that rolls out. <laughs> a little bit different on this one, but this is how it played out when Thanasi Kokunaka sat down to face the media last night.
3: Hi, Nick. Uh, hi, Nick! Wow. Hi, and I wow. <laughs> that is this is, that that is because because was, That's you, done. I'm, I'm about to you, oh, will, you, you You will understand
1: why. No, I'm going to turn that. <laughs> <done>. So if <laughs> you missed it in all of that, the first, he goes, hi, Nick. And <laughs> Kokanakis just looks at him and just goes, oh, no, no, no. That's done. You might have seen the vision already. No, no, no. You're out, mate. You're out. All in good spirits. I mean. The poor bloke that asked that question. Out of all of the stuff that gets thrown around in those media rooms, that was just a faux pas. You know, staring at Thanasi, out comes the word Nick, and then how do you recover from that? Um, on this day in 2013, it's it's interesting to think about this one because I, I'd completely forgotten about it. To be to be fair, and even listening to Phil Liggett this morning on the breakfast show in Sydney was fascinating to listen to him. And you know, Phil Liggett cycling. Well, guess what happened on this day back in 2013? The biggest scandal probably in world sport was finally, finally put to bed. It was finally admitted to by Lance Armstrong because it was back in 2013 on this day that he admitted to doping.
3: Yes or no? Did you ever take banned substances to enhance your cycling performance? Yes. Was one of those banned substances EPO? Yes. Did you ever blood dope or use blood transfusions to enhance your cycling performance? Yes. Did you ever use any other banned substances like testosterone, uh, cortisone, or human growth hormone? Yes. In all seven of your Tour de France victories, did you ever take banned substances or blood dope? Yes. In your opinion, was it humanly possible to win the Tour de France without doping? seven times in a row not in my opinion so when did you first start
7: doping um you know i suppose earlier in my career there was uh cortisone and then uh, the epo generation began began when for me or for for you um uh, mid 90s
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh gee when you think back on you know when was the last time you heard that I I can't remember hearing that over the last however many years. So that's the first time I've heard it for a long, long time. But when you think back to what he said yes to and the only thing that he said no to was, could you have done it without all of that? Nope. I mean, that's extraordinary when it comes to the level of admissions that Lance Armstrong put out there. We all remember that day where he got the Oprah grilling and fessed up to absolutely everything. Seven Tour de France victories, all done on the gear. Back in 2013, that happened. Uh, Matty, I'll just continue to, to pick our way through these text lines uh, messages because the, the vast majority of them, in fact, probably all of them, are around the Rugby League Players Association VNRL battle at the moment, although Phil has broken ranks. It's Rugby League, he says. Who cares? Super rugby starts in three weeks. Thank you, Phil. There's our circuit breaker. Matt, the average lifespan of an NRL player throughout history is about 40 games. Is it? That doesn't sound like a lot. I can see the RLPA stance being fair and equitable for all players. They're a very few millions, million-dollar players. Strike action has worked in other sports and would work here. Look, I agree with what Michael Karyanis was saying this morning with Julian King on 1170 Breakfast. I I agree that it's highly unlikely that strike action will go ahead, and it's a very, very difficult thing to try and get everybody on board. But you know what jumped to my mind whilst I was listening to that I was driving into the network this morning was, as far-fetched as it seems, as far-fetched as a strike seems, let's not forget that last year... Seven players at one club stood down because they didn't believe in what a jersey represented. So as far-fetched as it seems that a strike could happen, and let's hope that it doesn't, I don't want it to happen, and I actually don't think it'll happen, but it's not out of the realms of possibility when you go back and think, would you have said that about, if I had said to you that, hey, seven players out of one team are going to step down because there's a rainbow jersey coming out, I mean, totally different scenarios, yes. But you see what I'm saying. The things that we don't expect could happen are certainly there in history to tell us that they've already happened and can happen again. Average lifespan, 43. 43 NRL matches. And that's according to the NRL. Thank you for that text. Let's get some news off Vanessa. Uh, Thank you, Vanessa. Uh, Yes, Arena Sabalenka will be first up on Rod Laver Arena against Shelby Rogers. So just over half an hour's time. We'll bring you score updates. Thanks to Bing Lee on that one. Paramat says, even now, hearing the Lance Armstrong admission is still so damning. Thanks for replaying it, Matt. Yeah, thank you for that, Paramat. It, It is, isn't it? So what's that now? Ten years. Ten years to the day since that one came out. I mean, obviously very well stage managed, by Lance Armstrong and the Oprah Winfrey camp and how it all played out. But the yes, 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 and, and the no, I couldn't have done it without it is is damning all right. Falls from grace, Tommy. Falls from grace. I mean, can it get any bigger than
8: that? Morning, Matty. Thank you, Mark. <laughs> Morning, listeners. Uh, I don't think so. Did you ever watch uh, the movie Dodgeball? Yeah. You know when uh, yeah. yeah when Vince Vaughn's character is at the airport, he's going to leave the team. Yeah, and then sitting down the bar at the other end is Lance Armstrong. Hey, I never gave up when I had cancer. <laughs> I won seven Tour de yeah. Frances in a row. Oh, I mean, yep. I'm
1: trying to think. I mean, Tiger, Tiger, spect- yeah, but but,
8: but I then mean, he came Lance, back. But Lance
1: is gone. Yeah, right. So Lance could never come back from that. Well, he tried it
8: as a triathlete. I think try to do Ironman Yeah, Man he did. And stuff he did. Like he did. Yeah. Did, would he? How much were you gotten paid from that interview? From oh, I don't know, big bucks. I don't know, big bucks. Yeah, it's always Oprah, isn't it? She did the Me- Megan and Harry interview yeah. as well what, last year or a couple of years ago. Yeah,
1: it's got to be Oprah. He's the they big dog. Bear your soul. Um, but yeah, thanks for finding that. You found that audio this morning, so it was it's bizarre. So yeah, falls from grace. Can you think of a of a bigger? I mean, <laughs> it's funny because you just sat down and mentioned that, and the, the first one to come to mind was Tiger. Um, I mean, we've had, I guess, plenty of footy players, but uh, as, as big as it gets worldwide with what he'd achieved and everything of the denials that had just continued and continued for, ever, not just for a couple of years, not just based on rumour and innuendo, it was officially, no, I never did that, and no, I never did this, no, 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 quickly turned into yes, 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 yes. Mm. And over the cliff he went. Bernie Tomic. He didn't. He didn't fall from very high, though, did he? I don't think that somebody in the backwaters of Colorado was really worried when Bernard Tomic, um didn't, know, didn't I'm just make saying. the main
8: draw of the Australian Open. But it's still sad. So much talent. It's a bit of fall from. I know he didn't fall that from very high. He's, there is sorry, go he's Mark.
5: He's recovered now, but Zinedine Zidane. Yes, with, the headbutt. with the, headbutt, the
8: headbutt. That's a good one. There are some ones where. They fell for very heinous reasons. Oh, like there's a word. Oscar Pistorius, that's a big one. There's a big one. O.J. So Simpson. I, so Zinedine's. I mean, your
1: you headbutt. That's something that you do in the in the in the heat of the moment, the stupidity of the moment. So that wasn't something that he did so underhandedly as
8: premeditated land, as yes.
1: premeditated. You mate, you are
8: full blown. I was just looking at the thesaurus
1: this morning. Son of a barrister yeah. this
8: morning,
5: eh? I've, I've just googled Steve Smith. Oh yeah, Cameron Bancroft. Oh, yeah. yeah, that I is mean, a fall from Rose. He's yeah. Australian captain. Yeah, yeah. They've but, recovered, a but he's he still. Well,
8: he was. Ca- he's captain two tests. Yeah. Steve Smith in that w- one time. One of them's
5: recovered. One of them hasn't.
8: Well, I'd say, say. I'd say mm. two of them have. One of them has. It's not. It's nowhere near on the scale, and didn't shouldn't
1: have been what it was. But it's nowhere near on the scale of, of Lance. No. I mean, that, that, I mean, we could go through plenty of falls from grace, but perhaps what we're trying to need to think about is something that's up there with Lance. Is, does something overhaul Lance Armstrong's fall from grace?
8: I don't think there is. Because he would have lost, lost hundreds of millions of dollars with his charity. What was it? Livestrong. Yeah. His sponsorship deal with Nike. Um, countless, well, everything, everything. Ev- everything. He lost everything. They all bailed out. And if, there was a great documentary that I've actually watched a couple of times. And it kind of shows how calculated. And he was a pretty abhorrent person. Like he's downright would threaten people to their face. Horrible person. Yeah. Would threaten people to their face. And would say, I'm going to tell all these rumours to you about the media and blah, blah, blah. And yeah, very, very, very. Oh, yep. Set Bladder. That's another great one.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yep. Have you seen the FIFA Uncovered? Yes, okay. I have. Yeah. I
5: watched it in Christmas time, yeah.
1: Well, he, according to Set Bladder, there's no fall from grace. Yeah. <laughs> no. He doesn't have a problem with his own. But again, that was a continuous problem
8: throughout FIFA, as that documentary showed. Yeah. Like corruption was there. So they were already falling the whole time. Aaron Hernandez, yep, that's a big one. Yeah, and and as
1: you mentioned, this is from Dan on the text line. Oscar Pistorius, I mean, that's that's right up there. Absolutely, Ben Cousins has has been through it. Uh, ben Johnson. Well, the, the, I was going to say
8: Ben Johnson. Flojo. What was it? The race where it was about seven seven out of the eight competitors were doping in that famous Olympic race where I think either him or Carl Lewis won.
1: Yeah, no, he won.
8: He won. He won. But go back, go back and have a look at the replay. And have a look at his eyes.
1: Yes. But I think... I, I, mean, I w- you know, the, the modern-day equivalent of WADA or Asada back then, when he, when he came in to give them the sample, can you imagine if you were the guy or girl, if you were the person who had to be there for the sample and mm. he walks in with
8: the yellow eyes like that? Yes. So, mate, I don't think you really need to pee in the bottle. I'm pretty sure we've got you. But the, I think there was, there was an ESPN 30 for 30 about it, and I believe seven out of the eight competitors in that race mm. were all doping. Which kind of showed the the sign of the times the at the era. moment. Yeah. Marion Jones,
1: that was a, a fairly sizable fall from grace. Eric Cantona's karate kick, Tonya Harding incident. Oh, Tonya yeah. Harding, great oh. movie with her, Margot yes. Robbie a few years ago yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, that was from Mark from Red Bank. I mean, they are hu- they're huge falls from grace, but do they keep coming at me? See if you can see if Top. you can overhaul Lance Armstrong, the Melbourne was- Storm.
5: Oh, come on, Tommy. What? Come on. What? You're you a Dolphins fan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. i the Dolphins.
8: But the Melbourne Storm, their salary cap. Oh, that was a they big one. They went to four, four grand finals that in a row. B- they won two premierships. No, that was a big one. Remember that massive press conference where they're all walking across the field? Yeah. They lost a host of players after that because they had to. Greg Inglis, David Gallup had that famous press conference. OJ Simpson. Mm. Yes. There's one. Yeah, well, that's probably... But then again, he's still very famous and he's still got a lot, like he does a lot of appearances now. He kind of takes a PI yeah. like double five out of it, which is very, very wrong and immoral. Um, but he's still like, he's still got a lot of notoriety and he's still going around appearing on podcasts. Well, Lance, yeah. I don't even know what Lance Armstrong is doing these days.
1: Well, I, I went to his um, his shop Did not, you? in Austin, Texas. Yeah, After he's, everything? He's, yeah, 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 yeah. He's got a bike shop there with a cafe on the side of it. And the cafe right. is called Juan Pelotas.
8: Well, right. Well,
1: yeah, you can work that. out. A lot one of supplements out. and no, no, no.
8: stuff supplied. No, 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 no.
1: Supplied. As in, as one. in. Oh, as in yeah. yes, yes, I
8: yeah. oh, got it. Yeah. Got it. We go. Michael Vick. Michael Vick. Vick. Yes, with yeah. the dogs. Are they? Does that overtake? No. No. no, no. no. Just, yeah. Yeah, just Paul Gascoigne, Gazza. Hansi
1: Cronje. Yeah,
8: I don't know that one. Oh, these
1: are. Oh, okay. These are. These are big. These are big time. I mean, they're they're big ones on the world stage as well. But has, ever one, has, has anyone ever sat down? Because Oscar Pistorius maintained his innocence all the way throughout. Yes. OJ Simpson, mm-hmm. same thing. Um, but has anyone that we can remember, listeners, help us out, sat down and given the old Mia culpa to the extent and admitted everything to the level that Lance did?
8: No, not that I can think of. Mm. Is there any in tennis, given that the Australian Open's going on? I can't think of any for from Grace. Sharapova?
1: Did she admit? Oh, Not to that level, though. No. Did she admit in the end? I didn't. Yeah, need to, double, need to double check. Okay. There you go. Gee, we got, uh, we got blindsided pretty quickly off that, but 10 years to the day. Now, after hearing Clint Newton, after everything, your, your take on the footy situation at the moment, let me ask you this. Do you know more about what the players
8: stand for? Yes, but also the last few days I kind of felt like I, I knew as well. But, yeah, I definitely feel more from – I learnt more from Clint Newton from that interview this morning. Um, especially that they've just hammered home, hammered home the fact: this is not a pay wall, this is not a pay dispute, this is not about players being greedy. This is about essentially agreement rights with the NRL. They want to, because uh, essentially the last three years we've heard this whenever the NRL make a brash decision, because as we said yesterday, Peter Vellantis, for all his his good deeds, he likes to put this like act on a whim. He likes to be strong. Go uh, go hard and go first. He likes being first in a lot of things. Whether or not he likes consulting all the stakeholders that he needs to be in that moment, that's kind of where, as Clinton and the RLPA have argued the last few years, that's where they believe he's fallen flat. And he re- the, he reiterated that with the salary cap this morning when they released that back on December 23rd of 2022. He released that without consulting the RLPA. They weren't you know steadfast on an agreement with that. So. I do understand where Clint and the RLPA are coming from. I said yesterday, if the players get to six weeks from now and they're still not happy with where they reach the CBA, I would support them in a strike. As much as, as I would hurt to not see any footy being played, if they think that's, that is what's right, then I would support them in that fact. Mm.
1: And it's interesting, you know, what you're saying there about the, the, the announcement of the salary cap, that was to get on the front foot. That that was a ploy and it's worked in their favour. And anything that the NRL players, uh, the Rugby League Players Association does thereafter is coming off the back fence. I mean, they are behind in that argument. For better or worse, that's just the scenario at the moment. So everything might be, as we think, done on a whim, but everything's done for a reason. Yes. No question about it. Diego Maradona, Bill Clinton. Yep. <laughs> I did not have. <laughs> oh, I had to backtrack <laughs> off yes. that one. Uh, 0457 736 736 on the text line at 1300 01 11 Give us a call. Have you got a bigger fall from Grace than Lance Armstrong? Do you want to have your say on the NRL VRLPA uh, situation at the moment? Or perhaps you've got something else that you'd like to get off your chest on this Thursday morning. Join us on the morning show after this. Uh, Lance Armstrong's yes, yes, yes moment 10 years ago to the day has got us thinking about falls from grace. And you've gone left, right and centre on this one. Uh, get to those in just a sec. The four Australians in action in round two of the Open today. So day four, Fanasi Kokonakis will have Andy Murray. It'll be a huge one. On Margaret Court Arena, John Kane Arena for Alexi Poprin against Taylor Fritz, the number eight seed. Kim Birrell is back in action against Linda uh, and as BP told us, Brett Phillips told us, look out for both of those players in the future. And Alex Dimonor on John Kane Arena again with Adrian Manorino, the Frenchman. So four Australians in action in round two of the Australian Open. In terms of cricket tonight, it's the Thunder and Renegades. So sixth v third in the BBL at Manuka Oval in Canberra. Our dance is Brittany when she shaved her head. Okay, we're sort of going off tangent there. Pete Rose in baseball. Yes, that was huge. Thank you for that, Mark. There is um, a pretty fascinating Netflix doco that features Pete Rose. Uh, It was done a couple of years ago and he's sitting around, I think it's in Vegas, and basically sits there sucking on Slurpees and signing autographs for a living these days. It, It was a huge fall from grace and a massive story as well, the reptile says the NRL players right now fall from grace. Thank you, mate. Uh, Mel Gibson. <laughs> also on cycling, there was Floyd Landers. Yes, yeah, big part of that story as well around the whole thing. Daryl Strawberry um, too. Thank you for all of those. Do they do they overhaul Lance and the on the ladder of falls from grace? Don't think so. Certainly not in terms of giving it all up. <laughs> Pulling back the curtain and saying, "This is exactly what I did." Chase Buford's going to join us uh, in our next hour. So after our next news break, the Sydney uh, Kings coach will be joining us. So they're six in a row. The Kings six wins in a row. They're at the top of the table. They defeated the Hawks again, so they end up with the Adrian Hurley Cup in the Freeway Series. But I'm also interested to talk to Chase about what happens when you're a coach. And you've got a player like Xavier Cooks, who's under the focus and the watchful eye of NBA Scouts and, and probably likely maybe to pick up a deal, when you're in that situation, you, you want to see the player progress. And obviously in that sport in particular, that's you know one of the bottom lines. But you don't want to lose the player either. So how do you have those chats? Do you just do you just go back to a very professional relationship where you say, we know you're here for this time, so let's just focus on that and whatever happens down the track happens. Or do you try and give them advice along the way, knowing that perhaps the advice you're going to give them is something that may see them jump on a plane and head off? Speaking of a plane trip, the Kings are going to go to Perth on Friday. They'll face the Wildcats over there and then they'll come back straight away and it'll be against the New Zealand Breakers on Sunday. So a massive crowd at a Kudos Bank Arena. It's four o'clock. The King's on top of the ladder. Fans are packing the queue. Uh, tickets suggest $22 for adults and $48 for families as well. You can get those at Ticket Tech. Thank you for that. Oh four five seven seven three six seven three six. Plenty of those texts still coming in. Matt, the average lifespan of an NRL player throughout history is about 40 games. We've got through that one. There was another one around that. So I'll find that out as well. I have a question, says Cameron, uh, about the match payments. Is that part of the salary cap? If not, why not? Do the clubs set an amount for match payments or the NRL? Because if it's the club, what's stopping one club paying, say, $1,000 and the other paying, say, $1,500? It'd have to come into the salary cap, would it not? Uh, That's what the salary cap is there to control. So I would assume, I don't know, Cameron, but I would assume that it would have to uh thanks for the text we'll take a break we'll come back we'll do the news and then a big final hour of the program yeah welcome back clint newton's comments this morning right here on the morning show have generated a lot of talk and a lot of interest he's said to me this morning that this isn't a pay war this is not a pay dispute he said the cba is not about the salary cap the release of the salary cap on december 23 was a tactic by the nRL to make this about pay Your thoughts on that have been coming in thick and fast since we started this show this morning. We can continue that debate in the next hour. It will get busy, of course, after the news coming up because day four of play will be getting underway. We'll have Bingley updates from the Australian Open as round two continues. Four Aussies in the frame today. Chase Buford from the Sydney Kings will join me. We're looking for anybody out there in the world of sport who can overhaul Lance Armstrong when it comes to falling from grace. and throwing it out there. Have you ever admitted to something like that in such detail? Yes, Your Honour, I did everything. Not just little bits of it, the lot. Uh, Here, lock me up, throw away the key, (laughs) here's the wrists, (laughs) send me downtown. That's essentially what happened in the end. Time for the news. Here we go, final hour of the program. It's going to be as busy as the first couple. Uh, Thank you for your company this morning. So I I can't tell you how many text messages are sitting here still on the back of Clint Newton's interview. If you missed it this morning, you can find it on our podcast and go to the SEN app and you can also catch up that way. But a, a very broad range of issues that we covered around, of course, the negotiations for the collective bargaining agreement, which remains a stalemate, 42 days out from the start of the Premiership proper, and there is no deal that has been locked in as yet. Where does it lead? I'd like to know your opinion on that. We're also looking for falls from grace. Fess up. I mean, has anyone fessed up to the level that Lance Armstrong did 10 years ago to the day? 0457 736 736. Or so give us a call like Cuzzy has done this morning. one 1170 Good morning, Cuzzy. Go for it.
7: Hey boys, how are you going?
1: Good, thank you. What would you like to cover?
7: Oh, two things. But the first one was relevant to what your show is about, about false and grace. Yep. What about in the year two thousand when the then South African cricket captain Hansie Cronje was found guilty of match fixing mm. with you know Indian cricket and then he got banned for life. He tried to get his life banned. Uh, removed but it was dismissed so he had that for life and then a couple of years later 2002. 2002 yes. he died in that plane crash and then was it 207 when Walmart, Bob Wormov was found dead in his um, hotel room there was kind of like a link between a uh, conspiracy theory about uh, that it was done so the real match fixing didn't come out about how bad it is
4: mm,
1: mm, yeah it was, it was all very murky and all very sad at the end of the day really wasn't it I mean Obviously, the way that it all played out in the match fixing um, situation, as you as you talked about, is is was the first part of all of that, and and the the fall from grace, so to speak. But then the the sad finale to that was the two thousand and two plane crash, and therefore the the conspiracy theories that follow off. But a a very sad one, I reckon, on all fronts for that, and a family man as as well. So that's a fall from grace at the highest level, so to speak, and and, and I don't mean that. Obviously, taking the taking the Mickey. What about uh, Dave Rennie and the situation with the oh, Wallabies? Yeah. Your thoughts there?
7: Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, look, if Eddie look if Eddie Jones didn't unexpectedly become available because no one saw him getting sacked at England before the World Cup to this year, two thousand twenty three. But if he wasn't available, Dave Rennie goes to the World Cup as the Wallaby coach. Just no doubt about that. Like, yes. Yeah, he had a thirty eight percent win ratio. That includes three draws. Okay. And then, you know, a couple of little hiccups was that you, if you change the result to the Bernard Foley thing when the referee did that time-wasting thing and Costa Wallaby is the victory, in my opinion.
1: Yep. And then,
7: yeah, Rennie made a fatal mistake when he played a weaker team against Italy and we lost, or Australia lost. So there's two matches, you know, the results could have been changed, you know. But he, w- and a massive injury told for Rennie, he would have still been coaching, but all of a sudden Eddie become available. Eddie's got a great record at World Cup, you know, better than most. I mean, Rennie's never been to a World Cup as a head coach, right? Mm. And Australia, you know, seized on that opportunity, Australian rugby, to grab Jones. And then Jones' ego, we know Jones' ego is pretty good too. (laughs) So he would want to come back for a redemption story for when he took Australia to the final against England 2003 as head coach. And then he's got the opportunity, you know, against the Lions, a bit of revenge against European teams and England Blair in 202-5. And then he's got the Home World Cup. So he's yeah. ticking all the boxes for Jones. But I can see why Rugby Australia did it. Was it done in a professional and a fair way by Zoom? No, because he was, you know, the main employee of Australian rugby. Yeah. And to do that to him mm-hmm. like that was not good. But I kinda nope. like can see why they did it. I just didn't like the way they did it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, there's no easy way of doing it. I mean, that that's the thing. Uh, uh, it's tough. There's no question about it. Cause you, you, you're right. You don't want to get sacked by Zoom, but you don't want to get sacked full stop. So if they call you into the office, there'd be a story about, you know, you were sacked over a coffee. Uh, uh, mate, I was sacked over Microsoft teams. It sucks, but that's what happens. Right. And, and, and I, and I agree with you. It's a pity that it got to that, but you mentioned, you mentioned the game against Italy and and the fact of the matter is this: Australian Rug- rugby, Australia, would not have done the U-turn on Dave Rennie, had that Italy result not taken place. So that they were in discussions there about extending his term, as far as I understand. Then the Italy match changed everything, and they went, "Hang on a second, let's just let's just hold our horses here." So it, this wasn't about immediacy and immediate change. This was about what's the future for the Wallabies here? Then the Italy loss comes along, and you're right, picked a picked a, a, a lower rate team to take them on, and that changed the game. There was a couple of tests after where the Wallabies did did very well, and that sort of bought him some time. But then Eddie Jones comes into the picture and everything changes. So had Eddie Jones have come into the picture, but the Italy loss didn't happen, would the Eddie Jones story still be around? I'm, I'm not too sure because they would have extended by all reports they possibly would have extended Dave Rennie's tenure by then it's a really interesting one it, the way that it aligned and the way that they held their cards close to their chest for Dave Rennie meant that in hindsight the moment that Eddie Jones came, co- they clearly had thoughts about Eddie anyway the moment he became available Dave Rennie was a shot duck regardless of any results at the back end of that season so they were clearly thinking about making a change and it just so happened that the planets aligned, and it didn't take long, mate, at all, believe me, for Rugby Australia to be sitting down with Eddie Jones once he'd been given the wristole by England. So Dave Rennie's the man sort of caught in the middle of all of this, gave his heart and soul. A week earlier from being sacked by Zoom, as you point out, he's, he's running a camp for the Wallabies in outlining the plans for the World Cup. So it's a tough game. It's a brutal game, but they had to make a call, and they made the call as soon as Eddie came up for grabs. Thanks for your call, Cuzzy. We covered a bit of ground there. I appreciate that. Falls from Grace. Uh, Well, McHugh, (laughs) McHugh, who's a regular texter, he says, fall from Grace, me, LOL, as in him. Because I agree with Tommy with his thoughts on the RLPA. Yes, I said it in brackets. This is not a misprint. Well said, Tommy, in my opinion. Wow. We, bro- we, we have broken new ground here. R- R- Reptile and I had a bit of a dust-up yesterday, which I was I was sort of blindsided by. I thought, it's, it's New Year. We're, everyone's lovely. We're all holding hands, singing Kumbaya, and Reptile pfft, got me a, a doozy. And now McHugh's reaching out and agreeing with Tommy. What's happening, Mark. The world's gone pear shaped. Morning show's had a fall from grace.
5: Tommy has had a real rejuvenation at the start of the year. Yeah. Yeah, you got to watch it won't last. him. Yeah.
1: Can you watch him? He's, you know where I he is? I've got him is. on my little screen right yeah. there. He's I, in see the, him, I see him every show. He's in there plotting his next segment.
5: He's yeah. just off a rooster supposed
1: to. Yeah, he, he figures that, you know, if we break the show down into segments and he just infiltrates segment by segment, yeah. s- soon enough it'll be three hours of him.
5: Oh, I'm not even playing that music. No, oh, hang I'm on. not playing that music. Like Get off. Now.
1: Get off. It's not time yet. It's time for us to catch up with the Sydney Kings. Coach Chase Buford, who joins me. Uh, as I said, the Kings are going to head off on a very big road trip. They'll go over to Perth and then they'll come back for a massive matchup against the Breakers at home. Chase Buford is on the line. Good morning, Chase.
9: Morning, Matt. Thanks for having me on this morning.
1: Congratulations on what's been happening over the course of, well, especially the last six matches for you. But can we start with the fans? Can we start with the 11,500 plus that have been at Kudos Bank Arena now for four straight games in a row, which is a Kings record. I mean, you must look around and I know the emotion that you have when the game's underway, but you must look around and go, this is something pretty special that we've got going here.
9: No, it's been great. I think um, walking out for the Hawks game last Sunday, um, seeing the upper deck—you know, not only open but but a good amount of people in there—and um, coming out for the end of the Flames game and seeing a good crowd, it was—it was you could see the energy building, and it's been that way. And um, to see, you know, walking around Olympic Park, going to get my subway before the games, to see all the Xavier Cooks jerseys and things like that—it's just—it's really cool to see the fans buying into this team and, and this club.
1: I wanna to talk to you about Xavier but now I know that you've got a subway routine. Is that is that every match?
9: Yeah, I think there was a couple where it was line was too long and I opted for McDonald's and lost <laughs> on so never again, you know
1: so it's not is it a superstition like if you don't get your subway does the things go pear-shaped
9: no, we'll, be, we'll be all right no, it's not
1: that big a deal. <laughs> good all right so six straight wins as i mentioned anytime you get it done over the hawks is is great and you reclaim the freeway series and the adrian hurley cup along the way how do you keep that momentum going that you're on this great role
9: I think just sticking to our process, I think all the last couple of years since I've been here, we've been a very habit-based team. We come out, we run the same drills and practice. We focus on the same things in film. Um, we just try to hammer home the same message consistently. And if we can be good in those areas, we'll let the rest take care of itself. And so now is an important time not to focus on the ladder or anything like that. Just stick to what we've been doing, um, to try to get better each day and every day and come out and compete. And hopefully the wins will, again, take care of themselves.
1: When the process is working, Chase, do you are you wary about throwing something different in or, or has that been your routine for a long, long time? Stick to what we know and stick to what we do because as you well know, it's a long season and players do like do like to do various different things along the way. So are you tempted sometimes to say, Okay, guys, let's go ten pin bowling or let's do something completely left field?
9: Yeah, we, we you know, we try to keep it uh, fresh in terms of some of the things we do outside the the court and things like that. But in terms of on-court stuff, there's a bunch of stuff, I, you know, we, ideas we like We try to talk about, and it usually dies in the grapevine because we opt for our home base and our, you know, our comfort level, which has been been pretty good. So, um, yeah, we lean into that for the most part, and hopefully we'll have a few adjustments ready when needed.
1: You mentioned Xavier Cook. So I had a good chat on this program yesterday with Matty Logan. We know that the NBA scouts are, are hovering around. We know also what he's been doing for you on the court would he look out a place in the nba
9: not at all i mean zave has the athletic ability to compete at that level he's got a basketball iq and a, a motor that is a skill as well that would be at a high level anywhere in the world so um, really hoping that he gets an opportunity in the next few months or year to go show what he can do because he's he's earned that and he's capable for sure and uh, we're all hoping the best for
1: him. it's funny isn't it the position that you're in and especially in this sport and in this game that it's a bittersweet one you want to you'd obviously want to keep somebody like xavier cooks but you you want him to progress as well so how do you balance that as as the coach as the mentor
9: you know we dave and i don't focus on it too much in the year we talk about some things in the off season but he's just focusing on getting better you know i respect the heck out of how diligent he is able just to, to compete and focus and is such a good leader. So we don't worry about that too much. Just let us play do the talking.
1: Travel's part of the game. You're heading off to Perth on Friday and then you've got to come back here against the Breakers. So you've got fourth and then third on the ladder in front of you in the space of a couple of days on, on opposite sides of the country. How do you plan and prepare for that?
9: Yeah, just like we always do. You know, we'll have a, a scout report prepared by, I think, Kev is for Perth coming up, and we'll focus and try to do a lot of the same things we did to them at home, and we'll fly home Sunday, and kicks will run us through New Zealand, and we'll we'll focus on them when we get there, but uh, we'll just take it one day at a time right now.
1: Gee, there's going to be some fun on Sunday, too, the Heritage Round, and honoring the great Kings of the early 90s, so that's the the era that we're looking at. I was lucky enough to be courtside for a lot of that, mate, and some of the great, great names in Kings history. It should be a ripping afternoon.
9: Yeah, it should be a great one. We're really looking forward to it. Those jerseys look amazing. So, um, And just big shout-out to Brad Rosen for getting inducted to yeah. the Ring of Honor. Hopefully uh, we'll get to touch on that Sunday as well.
1: Absolutely. Good on you. Thank you, Chase. Uh, best of luck for the weekend ahead.
9: Thanks, Matt. Appreciate you having me on.
1: Play underway on day four of the Australian Open, a sporting update or score update, rather, from Bing Lee on Centre Court Rod Laver Arena, Arena Sabalenka has the American Shelby Rogers and uh, Sabalenka has held serve to take the first game of the first set. So it's one love on serve here. Went the distance, went a while that first uh, that first game. But Sabalenka, the number five seed against the American, is off to a good start and it is juice in the second service game of this first set. So we'll keep you updated. Thanks to Bing Lee with everything that's going on on day four, round two of action and Australians... Uh, coming up a little bit later on on Margaret Court Arena, the focus will be on a huge one this evening. So it'll be the second, it'll be the late one on MCA, and it'll be the Nasi Kokonakis up against Andy Murray. That will be one to watch. Novak Djokovic will be before that on centre court on Rod Laver Arena. Sam Stos is in action at the moment in the doubles um, over there on Kia Arena. So Sam and Elise Cornet. Uh, pairing up together in the doubles. So that's getting underway. Alexi Poprin, Alex Demonor, Kim Birrell, they're all in action today. So plenty going on for the Australians when it comes to day four of the Oz Open and obviously the big names as well. Uh, some news away from sport for our Kiwi listeners. New Zealand Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern will not be seeking re-election this year. In fact, she's going to call it early. So her last day as Prime Minister will be on February seven. Um, the election will take place later in the year on October 14. So Jacinda Ardern stepping down as Prime Minister of New Zealand as of the 7th of February. Maddie, what about Brocky and his fallout with Holden over that box in the car that was supposed to improve performance? Oh man, do you remember? Do you remember that Peter Brock and the Energizer, uh, the Energy Polarizer? That's what it was called. The it was all New Age stuff. Chuck, man, thank you for reminding me that about that basically what it was it was mid 80s brocky was the biggest thing and uh, it was all new age chakra and there was a plastic box that was filled with a pair of magnets that was separated by crystals sat in an epoxy resin box and they just drilled it in and it was meant to make the car feel nice in brocky's word it made an s house car um, a good car. That's it. So some. <laughs> I know. I know. So mark the big Scott here is. You're not part of this.
5: What do you mean a good car?
1: What a good make, car. It? Just, just... It felt good. It just felt good. Just felt good. Felt wonderful. There were crystals, man. Hey, it's the mid '80s. Man. Let's let's do it. But yeah, it was a big fall from gra- That really happened. That, look it up. And he got fined for it? It, it didn't get fined. No, no, no. He didn't oh, okay. get fined for a bit of, thought, <laughs> it. it turned a pretty good relationship into a, right, okay. into the kind of car that he was trying to make good with his crystals. It was all very weird at the time. And, and so was Brocky at the time. It happened in the mid eighties. In fact, I think it was 1986 at the first time. And they rolled it out in a, in a beautiful Commodore called the Director. Um, which looks as though it's straight out of a, a really bad 1980s movie. So thank you for that, Chookman. Yeah, that's uh, a fall. Well, it was more of a fallout than a fall from grace. Maddie, I know it's off topic. We've been doing that a lot today. Um, but in the spirit of the Tommy Berry case, which, by the way, will be under appeal, what's stopping an NRL club playing paying a family member of player X outside of the salary cap? They could even make out the family member was an employee and withhold tax. The relative could then, in inverted commas, gift the money back to the player. Says Matt. Well, I, I guess nothing's there to stop it, aside from the fact that what happens when you get caught, and it's outside of the rules. And the salary cap auditor is um, has a whole stack of powers. I don't know if if you can cover those powers, but I mean, look the the days of the well, the days of the brown paper bag are gone. Probably because cash is pretty hard to come by these days. So maybe you get yourself a little tap and go. <laughs> but you're trying to work out I mean rules are there to be you know to try and negotiate the way, your way around them. but the salary cap is 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 there for a reason to be strictly adhered to and we see we have seen the ramifications of what happens. It, are they all trying to push the boundaries on it? Of course they are. What's to stop um, what you've just pointed out, Matt, that happening nothing except for the fact again that if you do it, you get caught. You're in a whole world of pain and you're up there on the stupidity scale for doing it anyway uh, Jay from Blacktown's given us a few tips today on the Goldie. Thank you. Uh, I'll need to check these out before I go through them but infatuations one and spiritualized is another. those two words sort of go back to the energy polarizer. Ah <laughs> oh, Jay, you didn't even know you did that but you did it for us. Thank you for that. Matty, Lance Armstrong also sued a number of people for many millions who accused him of doping. Not a nice man at all, says Azza from DY. No way. Um, 100% not a nice man at all. The Black Sox, the Chicago Black Sox, who threw the 1919 World Series, fall from grace from the wingman, players banned for life. Yeah, that's the infamous series. Um, some incredible movies have been spawned off the back of that, eight men out. Is one of the great baseball movies, which then rolls into Field of Dreams as well. Say it ain't so, Shoeless Joe Jackson. Um, That was a fairly sizable fall from grace. A little bit of a long one here. and We've got enough time to go through it before we get to the news on the situation between the RLPA and the NRL. Um, Pedro, you got him first, so I'll read out yours. Maddie, they should just put magnets and crystals on the table between Clint and PVL. <laughs> just trying to help, says Pedro. The energy polarizer will fix the current stalemate. Oh, Brocky, where are you? Um, it's been too long since he left us. Maddie, I've been thinking about the CBA since it all started, and the only conclusion I've come up with is uh, that ultimately comes down to both parties being greedy. And looking to outdo each other by looking for loopholes to extract more or less from each party. Think about buying a car or a house. You want the best deal. The agent wants the most money. Unfortunately, someone has to come out feeling ripped off. 99% of the time, it's the average Joe that comes out feeling that way. If things were just fair, it'd be great. But unfortunately, it's not how things happen in this world. At the end of the day, everyone looks out for themselves. Is that right or wrong? That's the question people should be asking. And that is from uh, Rob from Blacktown, I'm pretty sure. Thank you. For that, I mean, it's a very straight-up appraisal of it, isn't it? And that's exactly the situation that we're at. This is a negotiation, and it's a heavy one. There's a lot of money at stake here, and it's not just for next week. It's for years going forward. It's for NRL players, NRLW players. On the RLPA side, it's for past players and those that are going to be past players in the future. There's a whole stack of layers to it, so... It's not as easy as going, here's the big kit that you can all go fishing in and pull out your money. There's a little bit more to it. And um, you're right there, Rob. Someone's going to have to give. Someone's going to come out feeling much better. It's never going to be straight down the line 50-50. All righty, here is the news with Vanessa. and thanks to Bing Lee, the score update from Centre Court, Sabalenka and Rogers, uh, one all. So break point here in... The service game of Arena Sabalenka with Rogers, up on the ad break here. So we'll see how we go as she tries to take it out and get the first service break of the first set. It'll be a second serve for the fifth seed. Arena Sabalenka has had an extraordinary career so far. Just the age of 24. So she's serving to try and hold on to this game. It'll be a big breakthrough early on in this one. Rod Laver, Arena Day 4. So this is round to action now, everything's been cleaned up from the rain delays, and that's hit the net from Shelby Rogers. So back to juice we go. Uh, Richard Nixon says the Western Sydney eagle was a pretty big fall from grace. Yes, he was at that. Um, uh, Tommy, you are back in the house now. Which Morning way? Are we, which way are we going? Oh, we've got ourselves some under and over reactions yes. for the first time.
8: So I'm going to throw a couple statements at you, and you're going to say whether well, it's an underreaction where well, it's an overreaction. Um, And listeners can weigh in as well. So first off, topical one, the CBA won't be sorted before the start of the season. So we are 42 days away. Six weeks today will be the first match of the 2023 NRL season. Is it an overreaction to say that it won't be sorted by then?
1: No, I don't think it is because there's every possibility that it won't be. Mm -hmm. Because the season can still go ahead without it if the players decide so oh sorry unless the players decide to take action so I I don't think it's an overreaction to say that um it won't be sorted I mean uh, it's it's really hard isn't it it's it's really hard to figure out how they're going to get
8: to the table here I mean how many meetings do you have to have in the course of the next 42 days so I want to ask you this so when we were going through the whole COVID pandemic um right at the start of 2020 in 2020 and the season had to be put on hold and Channel 9 and Fox Sports Went to the NRL and said, basically, we want to pay this much X, Y, Z. If the players go on strike, recent broadcast deal, which was just a new broadcast deal, which was recently signed. You've worked in TV land for many, many years. What's Channel 9 and Fox going to do? They'll have a stern word with the NRL and probably, and Clint Newton, I would imagine.
1: Won't, won't be a stern word. There won't be any words. They just won't be paying them. Place. There'll be a lot of money that goes missing. Yeah. As it not goes missing, is just isn't transacted. Um, so yeah, it it has massive ramifications. The NRL has a very, um, clear, uh, delivery process that it needs to deliver the broadcasters, which is the games per week. So if you start to miss out on those games for whatever reason, you're in breach of your contract. If you're in breach of your contract, you're in a hell of a lot of strife, especially with the size of those, uh, the size of those contracts, Mm. because there are multiple um, but obviously, with Fox and Channel Nine feeding in the money that keeps the game going, essentially out of the broadcast rights. So if you're into the position where, for whatever reason, you can't deliver your games per week, you're in you're in a heck of a lot of trouble.
8: Won't be sorted without the crystals, Tommy. Yes, thank you, Pedro the Russo. Now another one. Now we had a caller. Did, did you know about the crystals? No, I had no idea the about polarizer? the crystals. I had no idea about the crystals. Yeah. Very, very interesting. Yeah. Um, now, we had Cuzzy from Brisbane speak about Dave Rennie. So my next two are going to be about the Wallabies rugby oh. and also a bit of rugby league too. Okay. So this is a, this is reunion and rugby league, this one. The Wallabies will have three current NRL stars playing for them in the 2027 Rugby World Cup. Now, I say that because a lot of talk last few days about Eddie Jones poaching NRL stars. We know how much he likes rugby league. Go back to the 2003 World Cup. You had Wendell Saylor, Lottie Takiri, and Matt Rogers. Um, three NRL players that were poached by Rugby Australia to play for the Wallabies. So they had three players there. So is it an overreaction to say that the Wallabies will have at least three current NRL players playing for them in the 2027 Rugby World Cup being played here in Australia? Okay, had you asked me that question a week ago, I would have said, yeah, it's an overreaction
1: because I can't see Rugby Union in Australia or Rugby Australia and. And under the watch of, of Dave Rennie, I'm sure he's thought about it. I just, I, I can't fathom mm-hmm. that, that, that that would pop up as much as what we'd think it is. But under Eddie Jones, I think it's entirely possible. Entirely possible. So Agreed. that's not an over, overreaction at all. The question is, who do they need? Yes. Who do they need? Because back then, you know, when Lottie Takiri was going, or Wendell Saylor was going, or Matt Rogers was going over did they did they need those players at the time I'm trying to think back I mean obviously they needed them because they they end up slotting in there, but it was about getting them into the system into
8: the system mm-hmm. yeah it, w- it wasn't about raiding rugby league and and also as well the wallabies at that time already had stars in sterling Mortlock Stephen Larkham mm-hmm. George Gregan, whereas that's where I mean Stephen Dodd on SENZ uh, a few days ago said it's not the coaching it's the cattle, and so they need the yeah. cattle so you'd look at uh, a position like 10, like 5'8". That's a that's a position where injuries haven't been great for the Wallabies the last 18 months, but that's a position that they do need to shore up. How long's your man, Joseph Suili'i, signed up for? I believe it's to the end of this year. I've, I've already said countless times last year. I think it's a foregone conclusion. I think it's a, a given that he will play for the Wallabies in the 2027 World Cup. Why not? You know what, how old is he going to be at the end? 24. He's going to be 24 years of he age. He's going to be 24 at the end of 2027? At the end of 2027. Oh, man. So he can come back to rugby league, still play another 8 to 10 years, win a couple of comms back with the Roosters. Fantastic. <laughs> I, and I, you know what? I wouldn't begrudge him from going for going to play rugby union as well because he's a talent. He can be – he can follow in the footsteps of someone like a Sonny Bill Williams, mm. maybe go playing in Japan or, or England or France where you get paid a lot more money. Um, so, yeah, I think he will definitely be one of them. NRL clubs already poach a lot of rugby union players coming through that GPS school system. So I think yeah. three, maybe not, but I think one or two will definitely be there. Mm. Um, my next one with, with the Wallabies. So the Rugby World, rugby World Cup um, in France later this year. Yep. Under Eddie Jones, the Wallabies will go one better than they did in 2019. So in 2019, they fell to England. They lost 40 to 16 in the quarterfinal. So is it an overreaction to say that under Eddie Jones, they will go at least one better and progress through to the semi-finals. No, not an overreaction. Wow. No. So you're going, you're going all in on Eddie Jones. Yep. Yep. I'm going all in
1: on which which direction Rugby Australia and the Wallabies are heading. I, I think Dave Rennie was was working his absolute butt off to try and get them there, but there was clearly something missing along the way. Mm-hmm. I mean, only time will tell. But they ran into England last time around. I mean, totally different scenario, sure. Mm-hmm. But they ran into England last time around. If they run into England this time around, guess what's going to happen? Mate, Eddie Jones is going to is going to mastermind. And who was coaching England players. at that time? Eddie Jones. There you go. So he's going to...
8: Uh, yes. So I reckon they do go a little bit deeper. Go in the, oh, imagine making the semi-final. That would be big for... If, if he is able to get us there, and then two years later, in two years we've got British and Irish Lions, and then two years after that, the Home World Cup here. So I think this is... This is make or break for Australian rugby these next five years. You've got this World Cup in France, then you've got the British and Irish Lions coming here. They only come here once every twelve years, and then you've got the home World Cup, where Hamish McLennan, we got got him on tomorrow. He's spoken about how big that is going to be for the sport in this country and how it's kind of fallen away the last few years. If we can get back to where we were back in two thousand three, the last time we hosted a World Cup, then yeah. that would be do so do so much you know wonders for the sport here so you know the interesting
1: thing the interesting thing what you've just said right If, if if this is a bar side chat that we're having and we're talking about the wallabies at the moment we're talking about eddie jones coming back we're talking about the possibility of rugby league players and big stars going there we're talking about a world cup this year the british and irish lions tour and then another world cup guess what you have not mentioned at all in any discussion there about the wallabies the kiwis And the Bledisloe Cup.
8: Yeah, that's a good point. The stuff
1: that drags you down when you try and have the discussion to get anyone excited about Rugby Union in Australia, those that aren't in it, you start mentioning what's been happening with the Bledisloe Cup. We constantly get our pants pulled down by them. New Zealand Rugby Union ain't plain sailing at the moment either. Mm -hmm. So... It's interesting how how quickly the shift of conversation... We're going to have to go and face them. We're going to have to... And if Eddie Jones can mastermind that and this current squad can go and do that, then that's just next level. But isn't it interesting how quickly things can change away from the
8: focus about how bad things are mm-hmm. to what the possibilities the are? The optimism. The optimism. I think... And we're speaking speaking about rugby now in, on January 19th. And yes, it's because there's been a coaching change. But if if, say... I don't want to say Joe Blow, but if someone not like Eddie Jones was, was brought in to replace Dave Rennie, it wouldn't get the fanfare, it wouldn't get the no. attention. The sport would not get the fanfare and the attention that it has the last 48, 72 hours. Yeah. That's just a simple fact. Yeah. And I agree with you. If we're able to to conquer the Bledisloe and win that back, what when was the last time? 01? Oh, the last time we had won it? Yeah. I believe was, yeah. at least, at least whatever, at least 20 years. If we we're able to conquer that feat, even mm. win it at Eden Park, first time since 1987, mm. would be massive. Uh, my final one, Oh, you got another one. I've got one more. This is with cricket. Steve Smith should open the batting for Australia <laughs> at the 2024 T20 World Cup. Not in test, not in ODI. In the T20 World Cup, that's going to be playing the West Indies and the USA, 2024. So the last two games for the Sixers, open the batting, 36-101. Um, he's, what are the stats here? He's had a st- Who are you going to replace? Well, Aaron Finch isn't going to be there. We know that for yeah. a fact. So putting up there with Warner, that can be their swan song. Not not him for Australia, because he won't, he's not as old as Davey Warner. But that was pro- that will probably be Davey Warner's swan song. Uh okay. So what was the question again? <laughs> it's not a statement. Is it <laughs> a statement? reaction? To, so t- last two games he's opened the batting yeah. for the Sixers. He's yeah, yeah, scored no. 137 runs. Yeah. Tr- Strike rate of one hundred and sixty-five. Yeah. So what I'm saying is, he should open the batting for Australia in T20 cricket moving forward, and especially at the next T20 World Cup in next year.
1: Don't know. Uh, p- is that an overreaction? Possibly an Cause overreaction
8: because it's, it's after two games. Yeah. I don't know, sit right in the fence. That's why, because it's the two games. Okay. Yeah.
1: Because. Uh, it, it, I go you, back.
8: You were the biggest supporter of Aaron Finch, and I was saying we had to drop him, had to drop him. And, and you're were... a massive
1: supporter of Steve Smith. So yes.
8: the reason why I'm sitting on the fence
1: is that's off the back of two games. Yeah, I called that first one. The 36 was was great. 101 was enormous. At Coffs, Sublime. At Coffs Harbour, um, uh, the, and so I don't, I just don't think there's enough there. Sample, yeah, not sample sizes aren't big, size, big enough. But it's Steve Smith. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Right, so that's where you're going. You going to, I would never, ever try and question no. whether Steve Smith's going to be successful
8: or not, But then whether, it no yet, matter where you put him in the order. T20 form is so that's strange because freak. it was only what 18 months ago, 12 months ago that he was given the flick by his IPL team. Mm. So it can come and go, but given his recent form, I was just thinking about it, considering how unsuccessful we were at a home World Cup, just what, three months ago and how bad that, that ended up. Um, try and look for some optimism there, but yeah. that's all from me. Gee, back end of the pro really got us thinking, didn't
1: he? We're back after this. Quick score update from Centre Court, thanks to Bing Lee. uh, Arena Sabalenka against Shelby Rogers. So Rogers leading 3-2 in the first set. They're pretty much going toe-to-toe in this one. It's got the feeling of a a longer match. The last rally, uh, 10 shots, nowhere near the 70 that we saw last night, but they're certainly level pegging at the moment. On a lighter note, says... Uh, one of our text is, can we find out if tennis player Shelby Rogers' dad is a massive Ford fan? Quite possibly. Quite possibly. The Shelby Mustang. Thank you for that one. Phil is in next up with the Hello. afternoon show. Uh, it's all going on again.
10: Uh, uh, anecdotally, it just made me think, how strong is U.S. tennis right now? They have got stars just coming True. through from left, right, and center. It's just crazy. Yeah.
1: And it comes. I mean, it comes and goes a lot obviously in tennis in all sports but it comes and goes particularly in in american tennis as well i mean Mm. trying to be the next big thing and the pressure that comes after it's a really good point We, we spoke about taylor fritz um brett phillips and i spoke about taylor fritz i think it was yesterday we we had the chat i mean he's not so much a smoky but in terms of the betting and Alexi Popram will face him today so mm, tough one. Yeah, yeah, there's there it's a very good anecdotally that's a very good way to start. I like that word.
10: Anecdotally is great for radio because then you can just say whatever, <laughs> whatever there Yeah, whatever the stat whatever stat sounds right or however it sounds it's it's anecdotally so you know. Yeah. <laughs> Which means I can just say it.
1: Can you think of a bigger fall from grace or even a bigger fess up? Because it's 10 years to the day that Lance Armstrong sat down and said yes, 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 to everything that Oprah
10: posed to him about drugs. That's it, a, that has to be the biggest. It's a benchmark, really. That, that is the benchmark. I mean, Michael Clark <laughs> Just got two hours and 51
1: minutes from there without even f- thinking about that palaver. Um, <laughs> but in terms of fessing up, no yeah. one's done it as good as Lance.
10: No, no, uh, that's true. I mean, yeah, I'm thinking of cheat, like cheating scandals. Yeah. Um. Yeah, because look, I, Matt, I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I best try to avoid uh, the uh, scandals where mm-hmm. where we're judging sports people and athletes based on their. Moral standing in the community and because it's extra just curricular
1: it's just, activity. Yeah. But this, yeah. and this, that's the interesting thing about the Lance Armstrong situation, that what he was doing was, was, I mean, obviously uh, other stuff around it, but it, purely what he was doing in the sport that he was dominating at the time. And mm. His fall from grace came completely from his actions within his sport. It's true. Not what he did at 2am in the morning. Yeah. With his drunk mates, but it, you know, this came purely from the sport. Not that he, not what, Same scenario as, you know, your your OJ or your Oscar Pistorius. Mm. They were away from the sport quite obviously. So this one was generated by what his actions were and then he fessed up to it, which is, yeah, interesting. I mean,
10: uh, Ben Johnson and Marion Jones as kind of, again, drug cheat examples. I thought Marion's story's really,
1: really huge. I remember watching her win the 100 metres at Sydney 2000. Yeah. And now that I think about it, I just, it just leaves that horrible. I mean, you know that you don't know that she's on it at the time, but then once you, you know, in years later, when you see the full story and what she was up to and all that kind of stuff and you kind of go, well, why did I spend my night there? (laughs) I mean, I was working thankfully, so I had a pass to get me there, but why did I spend my night there watching a drug cheat? It's true. Running around. that That's where it leaves a bad taste. What's coming up on your show?
10: Yeah, got some good guests. We, we got uh, Jaleesa Rapps coming up in the next hour. Can you get her thoughts on, on this messy pay dispute drama going on in the NRL? But particularly the NRLW, it just seems to be just mm. a complete mess uh, in the current situation. Uh, Kennedy Charrington, she's been very vocal today on, on Twitter, just kind of you know outlining the fact that the women's... Uh, players are playing an All-Stars match in a few weeks and there's, you know... No deal. Yeah. No dice. Exactly. We've got RJ Ochoa coming up as well to chat some NFL and Barat Sundarason as well, who's going to chat about India and the series next month and some of their players. He is the man. Have a good show, mate. Thank you. We
1: are at the Checkered Flag on
10: this Thursday morning. I'll be back
1: with you again tomorrow. Don't forget when the footy season starts to get under full swing. Uh, Early February, so before the actual season kicks off. Matty Johns will be joining me every Monday morning for the first two hours of the program, so we'll keep you updated with all the details on that, but we'll start our week with Maddie Johns. Uh, Andrew Webster will be returning as well on a Wednesday, and we'll uh, just continue to push on throughout the year with a very, very big morning show. Until then, Monday to Friday, activity For me, uh, thank you for all of your input today. We covered a lot of ground. The Australian Open Day 4 continues, (coughs) excuse me, and it's 4-3 Arena Sabalenka against Shelby Rogers in the match. Currently underway, thanks to Bing Lee on RLA. See you tomorrow, folks.